On today's Car Sports Talk, we debate the Baseball Hall of Fame inductees and snubs, dive into the growing drama and chaos that is known as the Cleveland Cavaliers, give our predictions for the All-Star, the Rising All-Star Challenge, give a final look at the upcoming Senior Bowl, and go through our winners from last episode's NBA picks. Let's roll. Welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of Car Sports Talk. My name is Andrew Golba, and I'm joined again by my colleague, Seabone RJ. And we would just like to thank everyone who has been tuning in to us on iTunes and on Anchor. Our viewers are continuing by today. We can't thank you all enough, and we hope you enjoy. So, guys, uh, the best way to start off today is just we got to dive into the MLB Hall of Fame issue. First of all, congratulations to all the Hall of Famers. The inductees in the 2018 class were Chipper Jones of the Braves, Jim Tomey, who played most of his career in Cleveland, Vladimir Guerrero, who, although he played most of his years in Montreal, they're no longer a team, so he would be going in as an uh, angel. Trevor Hoffman spent most of his career in the for the second all-time saves leader, spent most of his career with the San Diego Padres. Yeah, huge congratulations from this podcast to those uh, four guys. You know, definitely guys that made our childhood growing up uh, a lot of fun to watch. Chipper Jones. See, not Chipper Jones. Tell you that. Not Chipper. That's what I was getting to. He's a Met killer, so he did us bad. And Jim- he actually received the most votes. Yeah. You know, guys, I think we're officially starting to get really old now because everyone that's starting to get inducted into the Hall of Fame now are guys that, like, we were watching the elementary school and middle school. So, guys we watched that. Guys we watched grow up playing. Absolutely. Uh, I think it was pretty notable that uh, Jones and uh, Tommy got elected in their first year of eligibility, and this was the first time that two players got elected in their first year since – believe it was 1969. Yeah, yeah and Vlad Vlad was in his second try, and Hoffman was in his third try, so they didn't have to wait very long to get in. Now, guys, this is one of the, um, the issues that I have with the Hall of Fame voting, and it's probably an issue that will realistically be um, resolved in a couple years because the people that are the committee right now that are making these decisions are old – they're old-time guys. They're old-fashioned. So the whole steroid era to them is basically just non-existent. They, can't, they just will not put these guys in. These, and these are guys like you know, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens. These were era-defining players. One of them is the all-time home runs leader. The, one, the other one is one of the best pitchers of all time. And Sammy Sosa also has 600 career home runs. Um, I, I think that they'll eventually get in, but it's still going to take a couple more years because Barry Bonds, even the all-time home run leader, he still has an asterisk on his baseball and actual baseball hall of fame. Well, yeah, but Uh, Bob Costas though, um, from NBC, he said that he, that we should induct, if you're going to induct these guys, you should just have. It noted in a certain area of the Hall of Fame, like known as the steroid era of baseball. You look at a guy like Bonds, 
he started his career in Pittsburgh. And even before he went to the Giants, before he was hitting 73 home runs in a year, which is unheard of to this day. He, w- he was a Hall of Famer, I believe, before you saw the big increase in his body type. But not only that, so many players during this era used steroids, including the pitchers, like a guy like Roger Clemens. Those are the two that stand out to me the most, Barry Bonds Andy and Roger Pettit. Clemens. Andy Pettit was on steroids. Andy Pettit, Mike Messina, was a, had, there was some connections to him. A lot of the players that you see on the ballot took steroids during the period. And I feel like it's hard to race a solid 15 <laughs> years of baseball just out of the books. And that's the thing. You know, there was just so many guys during this era that were doing steroids. And, like, it made the game more entertaining in a way. And I'm not condoning the, the use of performance-enhancing drugs. But, like, that was a really great time for baseball when we had multiple guys in the league who were hitting 40 to 50-plus home runs a year. I just think it's going to take them longer to get in because of the dislike of the so-called cheating that steroids Gave the players, such as, like, who knows if Barry Bonds is going to hit that many home runs? Who knows if Roger Clemens was going to for his whole career and here's with that thing. much stamina without steroids? That's what these older people are saying. Like, even though they pre- – when did they start even testing for steroids? I believe – I believe it became Probably early official in 2003. Nine. So yeah. who knows what pe- players before were doing? It's no, just exactly. That, it's just that, that we started testing, and these players who are our superstars get caught, and now they're the so-called faces of the steroid era. And since they were all over the news, since they gave the MLB a bad image because they were using performance-enhancing drugs, I'm not saying they won't get in. I'm saying it's just going to take some time for people to realize their greatness. No, I, I agree. I think it's it's still a little early in that stage to just start letting people in, especially after there's been so many passed up on. But when you look at Bonds, let's go through Barry Bonds' career numbers. 22 years, started in Pittsburgh, ended with the Giants, played most of his career with the San Francisco Giants. He had a 298 average, 762 home runs, 1996, like 1996 RBIs, almost 2,000 RBIs, and a 444 on base percentage. That is unheard of. And I just think, I mean, we grew up, he was the greatest player we had watching growing up. And it's just, this guy is probably three to four years away from a Hall of Fame ballot. The thing, One, the, the thing is, like, the same thing's going to happen when, let's say, another steroid error, A-Rod. A-Rod, goes absolutely. In. A-Rod, to me, is the greatest hitters of all time. One of the best baseball players. All around. And oh. because he took steroid, the end of his career didn't go down the way he wanted to. He got suspended for a whole year. He was forced to miss time. Players were throwing at him purposely. Four pitches in a row, the Red Sox did. He was looked at as the bad guy because he was a steroid user on in MLB history, and because of that, he's going to be—he's going to be getting the same treatment that Clemens and Bonds are getting right now. Well, how long? I mean, 
you know, players only have so much time on the ballot. Um, they have 10 years. 10 years. To... You know, when do you, do you think they're going to make these guys wait 10 years? Or do you think it's possible Clemens or Bonds or Sosa, one of the three of them, may not actually make it? Well, I know Clemens and Bonds have four more years. I personally think give them one or two more years, they'll be on. Yeah, I mean. But next year, we're probably going to have a first ballot Hall of Famer in Mariano Rivera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, guys, here's another thing I want to jump into is that, you know, the whole issue with the steroid era was that it was a performance-enhancing drug. So the players were, 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 apt, were, they were better players on the field because of this drug. But you still got to go into looking at the Pete Rose incident. He was just gambling on games, but he was still a fantastic baseball player. And he wasn't taking anything to cheat the way he played the game. So he was, make, he was doing a, a, an act that was, um, you know, it wasn't really affecting him as a player. And it's, I think it's a forgivable act. I I believe that Pete Rose, I hate to say, is going to get in after he dies. That's going to be a thing they're going to do. They'll be like, you know, well, actually we feel bad now, so now we're going to have to let him in. It's definitely going to be a yeah. situation like that. But I think as time goes on, we are going to start seeing maybe younger generations of uh, of panel panel members who have who will see the the impact of the game that guys like Bonds and Sosa and Schilling and Clemens, they really did bring um, to the game of baseball. I mean, it's, it just baffles me that, like, Sammy Sosa got less votes than Gary Sheffield and Scott Rowland. <coughs> and these are How many percent players. did he get? Sammy Sosa got, like, 8% of the votes. He just missed getting thrown off the ballot. At five, below 5%, you get thrown off. Yeah, you know, I think at some point they'll be getting in. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think a guy like Sosa will ever get in. I yeah, do. I don't think Sosa's going to get Sosa in. I don't think Sosa will ever get in because if I, you look I at him, Clemens will be the ones that get in. If um, you look at Sosa, he had a very brief span of time. Not like a guy like Bonds who had twenty-two years of just greatness. You know, what I, I think. Mean? Yeah, I think Bonds has the best chance to get in. Clemens is on the borderline. But Bonds could – I feel like Bonds is going to be the first steroid error guy to get in. He should be. There I, shouldn't be there shouldn't And be then he's, he's going to lay the foundation for guys like A-Rod, like Clemens maybe in his second or last year to get in. Because Bonds realistically I think is going to be in, in the next one or two years. I think if Bonds gets in, Clemens gets in the next year no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. I would agree. But it's definitely, you know, guys, a very interesting um, <coughs> something to have and just being able to really see, like, will one of the best errors of baseball be forgotten on in the Hall of Fame? But uh, so let's, let's move on a bit here, guys. Um, this is all just some stuff that has happened in the last 24, 24 hours. Um, so in Cleveland, Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavaliers, had said that he, is, he wants to sell the team, but a lot of has to do with whether or not LeBron is long term. LeBron is also not happy with the Cavaliers that they missed out on guys like Paul George and Eric Bledsoe, but yet they settled for trading for I- Isaiah Thomas. 
And it was announced actually, it was reported a couple hours ago that Kyrie Irving was apparently ready to sit for a whole year rather than play for the Cavs again. So clearly behind doors there, like, it's just chaos. Well, to, they never, nobody ever liked Dan Gilbert to begin with. It's not like this is something new. It's one of the big reasons LeBron left and then the big heat letter after. Their relationship's never been good. And here's I, the thing. Like, Dan Gilbert, like, if he wants to sell the team, you would want – I guess his, his, his hope is that LeBron will commit long-term to Cleveland so the team will have more value when he buys them, when, so when he were to sell them. Because if he were to sell LeBron, we saw it years ago, the Cavs will just go right back to the bottom of the league and will just be the dumpster. I, I, I was reading that LeBron was fr- more frustrated about – the main asset in the Kyrie Irving trade wasn't IT or Crowder, but it was for the future in the Nets pick. So they weren't thinking, oh, I want to win the championship with LeBron, get him another star player. They're like, oh, let me go and get the next young guy, potential top pick. So if LeBron leaves us, we're not screwed. Yeah, but he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be upset. At, that's all on him. They, need, they have to look at the situation if he doesn't come back. They need that pick. He put them in that situation. I was also reading that LeBron was aggressively recruiting Paul George to the Cavaliers, and then uh, the owner, what's his name, Gilbert, fired their GM. Yeah, well, that was a big move because LeBron had a good relationship with Griffin. And LeBron knows his, his championship window is closing slowly, slowly. Because he's in his 15th season, and who knows, he might not be the best player in the world in two more years. Yeah, I'd say I, he has three. I think he has three more years as the top player in that NBA, without question. And guys, here's another interesting um, thing to look at. We mentioned the Cavaliers really being invested on going after that Nets pick. And then we've seen him also being willing to dangle it around in trade rumors, such as again DeAndre. And the reason they're probably doing that now is because the the Nets are definitely overachieving right now. They're sitting at eighteen and thirty, and they're they're like if the league were to end today, they would be sitting sitting in either the eight or the nine spot. Well, the- honestly, I think it's still the reason they would do that is it's still such an attractive pick and it's a good asset to get LeBron to stay if they were to trade that pick. Because you don't need that pick if LeBron's there next year. And if you get a guy that actually helps them push through the championship, then LeBron might be staying. Yeah, but how great would it be for them to be able to draft a guy, say the Nets end up with a top five pick and they get a guy like like Marvin Bagley possibly to fall down to them. How great would it be for him to like learn on the LeBron for maybe another, for two years, three years, and then when LeBron eventually starts to fall off a bit, you know Marvin will just begin ready to hit some prime time. But the thi- the thing is, I don't see LeBron saying if the Cavs don't make moves for help around him, exactly, because he is legitimately exactly. frustrated. And also, I could see them keeping the Nets pick till the off season to see if LeBron stays, and if he says yes, I'll stay. Then they'll they'll trade it for some superstar depending on where where it lands. Yeah, I think no matter what, 
LeBron doesn't want a young kid coming on his team. That's just too much of a learning no. process, too much inconsistency. And he, even if it's a guy like Bagley, it's not going to be a great contrib- contribution to the team that has NBA finals on their mind. And we saw them do that um, when with Andrew Wiggins. the Sears traded Andrew Wiggins with the first pick of the draft. And then LeBron, I guess, kind of forced a hand on getting Kevin Love. But at this point, you know, it's it's just selfish. You know, how can a man be – I you know, I love LeBron. I think I think he is the best – he will be the best player of all time. But it's just selfish to, like, if you're, if that's what you think, Sebo, like, he doesn't want a young guy, a young pick there. Full commitment to the team yet. And then, like, would not want a top pick there. He would want them to then trade him. Yep. Yeah, but if you're looking at it from if, LeBron's point, he has to play. Curry, Durant, Thompson, eventually in the finals, Harden, CP3, and a bunch of solid players on the Rockets in the NBA finals. Yeah, he, he doesn't want this kid who has no experience against this type of competition on his team. And he's in literally the window in his career is not as big as people think much longer for him to keep winning championships. I agree. Everyone thinks it's the Warriors window anyway. So he doesn't really – his window's been closing. Mm-hmm. And the another Cavs- thing is you see uh, you see the game, the last game for the Cavs, Kevin Love couldn't even get a helping hand up when he fell to the ground. That's sad. Yeah, they're really – they're just a very um, dysfunctional. 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 If I'm Kevin Love, I'm requesting a trade just oh. like Kyrie did. Also – did you see what I be? Did you see what Kevin Love said about um, possibly being the All Star game with Clay on the same team with Clay Thompson? Yeah, because the the thing is with the Warriors, I'm I'm a little biased here. They play as a team. If you look at KD, he's he's a natural scorer. He had like 15 assists the other night against the Knicks, I believe. Even though he was a little baby in the end, but that's besides the Which point. He admitted to as well. Yeah, it's at. That's another thing I want to say. It's kind of crazy how he has more ejections this season than some teams do. And then between him and Draymond, they have 21 technical fouls. He has more ejections this year than when Rasheed Wallace <laughs> set the record for most technicals in a season. Rasheed, he only got ejected twice. And Durant's been ejected four times this year. And I think, it's, I think Rasheed Wallace was definitely known as more of a uh, hardhead than Durant was back oh, in his Absolutely. The Cavs also moved Jay Crowder to today. Tyron Lue now. So they moved Jay Crowder back to the bench, and they're going to be restarting um, Tristan Thompson. I, I, oh, Mr. Kardashian? Yeah, I think, you know, if the Cavs – one of they definitely fail to make the finals, but even if they get, get blown out in it, I think that will be the end of Tyron Lue. Yeah. I think his days are definitely numbered there. I don't even know if – I agree. And I, I think he'll definitely survive the season, but – Definitely can't uh, look ahead of there. He he's only the coach because LeBron endorsed him, and now he's not he's not doing his job as well as he used to. So LeBron's going back to his ways and saying, "I don't want him anymore." Right. Uh, so guys, let's move on to another another uh, other news in the NBA. Um, today, the for the Rising Stars Challenge, the team, the World Team and Team USA were both announced. So representing the World Team is. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons from the 76ers. Laurie Markkinen will be representing the Bulls. Jamal Murray will be coming from Denver. DeMontis Sabanis from Indianapolis, Indiana. Dario Saric is also from Philadelphia. 
Bogdan Bogdanovich from Sacramento. Frank Nielakina, our boy Sebo, representing the Knicks. Dylan Brooks and Buddy Heald. Dylan Brooks from Memphis, Buddy Heald from the Kings as well. And now representing Team USA, we have Donovan Mitchell from Utah, Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball from the Lakers, Dennis Smith and Br- Dennis Smith from the Mavericks, Brandon Ingram also from the Lakers, Jalen Brown from the Celtics, Chris Dunn coming from Chicago, Malcolm Brogdon from Milwaukee, Jason Tatum from the Celtics, and John Collins from Atlanta. That was a mouthful there. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> so looking at the two teams right now, who would you say would if you had to pick a winner right now? Who would it be? World easily. Yeah, I'd also go world. I, I think just, it's easily. I don't think. Probably. I I think I think world too, but I think U USA is low key like yeah. very. I may actually very similar. Kinda... But the thing is, you look. You got a guy, Joel Embiid, who just he's. He's not a second player. In yeah, but Sebo, he's not going to play that much because you think Lonzo Ball. So that's you know, I'm going to change my opinion. I'm going to go with Team USA. Just you think Lonzo Ball is going to be playing that? Because much? look at look at the depth. Look at the depth. Of two teams. I think the USA is more deep. Is deeper. Yeah, I think yeah. they're a deeper team. I'll say that. But I think I think Bar wise yeah. and Embiid are the two best players in the game. So. Yeah, but Jason Tatum's also arriving. Donovan Mitchell's filthy. I think Kyle Kuzma is very underrated. Jalen Brown's nasty. Dennis Smith is a freak athlete. But the the thing is, looking at this, is like a lot of the guys are up and coming stars. You know, like Donovan Mitchell is making his. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Kuzma, Alonzo, Dennis, Tatum. Yeah, I think they're already superstars right now in the league. Yeah, yeah, the thing I, is, Simmons is I, a rookie. I think that uh, Larry Markkinen may you know is definitely getting to some star status. That man is awesome. Bogdanovich is also twenty four years old; like he's not young. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just had to find some internationals, honestly. Right. Absolutely. Brooks is he even that good? I never even heard of him. He's from Oregon. Oh. Not always. Where is uh, <laughs> where is Jamal Murray from? Is he from Canada or is he from like yeah. Australia? He played He's for from Team Canada. Canada before Kentucky. Yeah, Ca- Canada, dude. They got some uh, they got some good players from there now. You know, Jamal Murray, Andrew Wiggins is from there. Tristan Thompson's from there. Like they got a couple guys that you know have made have made name names for themselves in the NBA. The great Anthony w- Bennett. The great, uh, you know, I didn't. I want to stay away from Anthony. Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> I think he may be the worst first pick of all time simply because he was 6'7". He was too small to play power forward. He was too slow to play in the wing. So he was literally just in no man's land. And they he wanted to tank again. The guys just wanted to tank. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, guys, the NBA All-Star, ro- NBA All-Star rosters, they have been drafted, but they won't be released until late tonight. So – We'll have to discuss them on our next episode on Sunday night. But looking at the NBA Rising Stars Challenge, if you had to pick an MVP, who would it be? And give me who your MVP would be from Team USA and Team World. I'll start it off. Um, If I look at Team USA, if I had to pick an MVP, I'd probably say Jalen Brown. And if I'm looking at Team World, I'm going to go Laurie Markkinen. Right. Um, 
I really just don't think Embiid is going to play a lot. For the United States? He's not because he's playing in the All-Star. Which I don't think he's going to play in that much of the, that either. I think the Sixers want him resting more than anything. But he's definitely going to get his time in the All-Star game. See you, continue. For the United States, I'm between Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell because I think Tatum's the best one-on-one player and Mitchell's just the most. Him and Brown are the most athletic on the team. So I'm going to go with Mitchell, actually. Okay. And for the world, I'll go with – I'll say Jamal Murray is going to light it up behind the three-point arc. Yeah, he's a big guy that if he gets hot from three, he can kind of go into like uh, – I don't know if you guys remember a couple years back in Tim Hardaway Jr.'s um, rookie year in the Rising Star Challenge, him and Deion Waiters had a sequence where they just went like five straight threes back to back to back on, in front of each other also. I remember. That was awesome. That was cool. What about you, RJ? Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna, I was deciding between Tatum and Mitchell too, but I'll go with Tatum. And then I believe Ben Simmons is gonna show in this game why he should have been an All Star. Yeah, I, I, Al Horford average is averaging thirteen points and like seven rebounds. Like Shaquille O'Neal said the other day that he can probably go out there and put that up right now. Like yeah, right. Ben Simmons is averaging close to triple double. Like it, I still don't really get it. I think the thing with Horford is the front. It was also the – he's close to six assists a game. I think that was a big factor into it also. And he's a good defender. And he's on the best team in the East. Yeah. And he's on the yeah, best team what, in the East. What I said with the wins, like, they they definitely – that definitely affected the vote. And Boston has a good good fan support. Yeah, but this it's only the, – the reserves are voted in by, like – By the coaches. No, I understand that. But they also take – when you look at the – when you look at the all-star starters, I definitely think they take that into account. If a guy has a lot more votes than someone else, the coaches, I think, will take that into account sometimes. Right. And the thing is, you know, Al Horford, like, since it's a coach's vote, Al Horford is a very liked guy throughout the NBA. He's very smart. I believe he's um one of the guys that's at the head of the uh, the players. Players union? Yeah. Um, coaches have all loved him. You know, Mike Budenholzer liked him. Um, Brad Stevens can't say enough about him. So, you know, I, I can see why he did make it. So, do you guys have a final prediction for Team World versus Team USA? I will say Team World 156 over Team USA with 149. 156 to 149. I'm going to say... Yeah, it really is a tough game. Uh, I'm gonna say Team USA wins 165-153. I'm gonna say Team USA wins 150-140. Guys, this isn't very fun when we're all gonna be choosing the same side. We're supposed to disagree with one another. Every oh, time. I said Team World. Come on. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? No matter what, I was siding with someone. RJ, me and you seem to agree a lot. You know, we had the same Super Bowl original for Super Bowl picks uh, for our final predictions, but yeah, you know, that's sad. Let's move on, guys. Um, so this will be our last episode before the Senior Bowl, which is this weekend. So I really just want to talk about you know quickly again a couple of the names that we're looking at what we're trying to see. So let's start off with you, RJ. Um, I've heard that Baker Mayfield is liked a lot by the Broncos. 
Yeah. And if he has a Russell Wilson type senior bowl, it would boost his draft stock tremendously. Yeah, Russell Wilson, he he like really broke out in the uh in the in that senior bowl. Well, that, yeah, definitely got him noticed. Yeah, I'm very excited for the uh Josh Allen versus um Baker Mayfield matchup. Uh I heard Josh Allen like Sebo mentioned a couple of days ago, he was a little um, off target with his throws. I heard since then he's kind of gotten his groove back going. A name I really want to look at is from Central Florida, <clears throat> Shaquem Griffin, their their edge rusher. who <coughs> And I think he is definitely being overlooked at because of the fact that he only has one hand. I, but I think he's just a tremendous talent when it comes to rushing the passer. They said he, he was playing yesterday. He was playing safety, linebacker, and and putting his hand in the ground and rushing the passer. So he's got the athletic ability. Uh, it's kind of like he's Jack a, from um from from Washington, who's playing in Carolina right now. Just a guy who can really play all over the field. He's honestly one of my favorite players in the upcoming draft, just because of his story. Like it's crazy it's, to think that this man was born without one without a hand. And he's impressing just like this. He's explosive. And a lot of people think he's one of the best senior linebackers in the country. He played for an undefeated team. Like, Yeah, guys, that's what I want to say. Do we recognize them as the national champions? Because they mm-hmm. had a national champions parade. The self crowned um, national championships? No. I, think, I think they just want no. to go to Disney World for a day. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll still crown Alabama on that one. Yeah. <laughs> how, many, how many positions do you think it would take for us to get Alabama and UCF to play at Jerry World? Oof. <laughs> that that would be crazy. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we'll uh, we'll keep that idea. That idea. Uh, yeah, I'll start sending some emails to Jerry. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very smart idea. You should definitely get on that. Going back to Josh Allen. I have, an, I have an interesting statistic. His 56.3 completion percentage is compared to, well, Goldblatt's boy, Christian Hackenberg's in college, Tom Savage, the, and, the a, goat. and another first-round quarterback that I'm very familiar with, Jake Locker. Well, the problem with him is... When when I was watching some of the practice yesterday, he was rolling out to the right, made maybe a 30-yard throw on the dot. Beautiful ball. Like, one of the most beautiful balls you've seen out of a quarterback. And then later, I'm scrolling through Twitter. I'm watching a video between Baker Mayfield and Josh uh, and Josh Allen hitting hitting a target. He completely... Completely missed the target. He completely missed it. Do you know who used? It was like five feet over. It was it was embarrassing. Do you know? It was like ten feet away. Jake Locker, from what I remember watching, used to do the same exact thing. So when I saw that name, I was like, exclam- question mark question mark. The thing is, especially Jake since was talented. Jake Locker was just he was good. he was also inaccurate. Yeah. But I, I, I remember there was always a little hope with Titans fan when he was their quarterback, but he just got hurt every single year, every single year. I remember they started off well in the year. Five games into the year, Jake Locker gets hurt. I think Jake Locker's mistake was, not, was returning back to college for his senior year because he was a projected 
number one overall pick that year who turned out to be Sam Bradford, who had, like, the richest rookie contract ever with, like, 80-something million dollars. Yeah, and then, and then they changed the CBA. <laughs> yeah, because it definitely made no sense to pay a guy who hasn't played in an NFL game yet more money than some of the best players in the league. They were paying for his ACL surgeries. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. Guys, there's two other QB names that I want to look at. One of them is Mike White, a QB from Western Kentucky, who I hear, I've read a couple things that Adam Gase, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, is very, very intrigued with him and would not hesitate to pull the trigger on him if he's available in one of the mid-rounds. Have you guys heard anything about Mike I honestly haven't, actually. Yeah, no one really hears about Western Kentucky, but definitely a name to watch out for. He's, you know, I think he's a big arm QB, and you know, Gase has, Gase is definitely trying to, um, I think, get away from Tannehill without really publicly he's, saying he's the prototype quarterback. He's got the size, I believe. He, I think, he was listed at six four two, a little under, a little under two thirty, right? But I think, I think it's evident that they want to move on from Tannehill. I know there hasn't been a lot of reports about it, but if a quarterback drops them. What has Ryan Tannehill shown throughout his career that you want to give him a mega extension? That's what I'm saying. He's just – I'm not impressed with Tannehill. I've seen him in so many games where he's shown that he can take a next step and be a, Q, a great QB, and then he's just back to making his own head of this. Yeah, he, the game I'll remember when we – four years ago, the game, it was the Jets versus the Dolphins was one of the worst. It was Geno Smith versus Ryan Tannehill, and I believe Geno Smith threw a total of three passes that game. And what? the Jets had a chance, and one of his three passes was an interception on the final draft because they still had a chance to win that game. That should tell you a lot of what you need to know about Ryan Tannehill. What pick does the Dolphins have? Was it 11? Not, oh, not 11. Um, uh, I can check that right now, actually. Can we oh. see them pulling the trigger if a top quarterback's there? Absolutely. That's, if the, if there's a guy, if Baker Mayfield were to somehow fall down to them, I would see them taking him. I I don't think he's falling. I think I his I think he's trending up. If anything, yeah, I think his stock is only rising. Who knows? He could be a top two pick. He really, yeah, that's starting to be a possibly. Uh, Another movement that can be happening is him going in the top. The, oh, the Dolphins do have the 11th pick. So it's definitely a possibility at 11. Mm-hmm. Guys, there's the, the other name I mentioned, um, Luke Falk from Washington State. Now, it was report 10 days ago, or just about 10 days ago, uh, Taylor Hinsky, or Helinski, the backup quarterback for Washington State, who actually led them to come back in that in their bowl game, took a took a teammate's shotgun and fatally shot himself in the in the head and killed himself. And apparently, him and Luke Falk were very very friends. So I know it, you don't want to put two stories like this together, but it would really I really can see a guy like Luke Falk just having a little extra chip on his shoulder, you know, dedicating his performance to his his uh his fallen friend. Uh, I definitely see that, and NFL teams like the kid. It's, yeah, it's a matter of it's, it's a just matter of his it. translation mm-hmm. to an NFL offense from the Mike Leach air raid system, just airing it out. 
10 NFL offset, offense, which is a translation for most of them. A lot of them haven't even taken a snap on their center. Yeah, the thing is, the story to look at and with uh, with Luke there. RJ, let's see what you got. The thing is, um, I could see the Patriots taking one of these small school quarterbacks, well, smaller school quarterbacks, with their second round pick they got from the 49ers. Absolutely. Because they need, they traded away all, all they got as backups during the season, Brissett and Garoppolo. So they're going to be looking for a guy they could groom yet again. And I see them jumping the jumping jumping the jet in the either with the last couple one of the last two picks or with the 49ers pick. The Patriots are never shy of drafting quarterbacks and I believe when they did trade for that second round pick exactly what you said they know that they're just going to replace one of the backup quarterbacks they had. Obviously they're not going to replace Jimmy G but somebody that they think has the potential to. Yeah, Jimmy G dropped 44 points on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, with with Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, and Luis Murphy, and Garrett Selleck as his weapons. Oh, let me get my let me get my player that let me get my Senior Bowl player that I was impressed with, Andrew. Let me hear it. Michael Gallup, wide receiver, at Colorado State. Uh, he's believed to be around the second round pick right now. Incredible production in uh, in the last year. He had a hundred receptions for four, over fourteen hundred yards and seven touchdowns. And the year before, he had seventy six receptions for over twelve hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns. He's a good route runner, six one, two hundred pounds, physical receiver, and he's got when he gets the ball, he's he's good after the catch. So I definitely think that the Cowboys actually would look to target him in the second round if he were there. There's also two other receivers we didn't mention um, the other day. One, James Washington from Oklahoma State. That's another guy I can see the Cowboys possibly targeting, maybe in a trade-up in the second round or a, uh, or even in the first round. In the first round. I, I think he's a first-round player. And also um, the wide receiver from Texas A&M. Uh, what's his last name? Christian Kirk. Christian, Christian Kirk. Kirk, yes. I knew it was Christian something. If if the Cowboys drafted either of those, that would be outstanding. I would be very happy with those picks. They said, Stephen Jones said they wanted to go more Dak friendly. Which, what which is first the- of all, I think is one of the most concerning comments I've heard in a while. You had, About a, you had a full off season where you knew Dak Prescott was going to be your starting quarterback and it wasn't going to be Tony Romo. And then you're going to come out and say that, that your offense this year was Romo-friendly <laughs> and not Dak-friendly. What were you doing That's over the, the offseason? Dak has been stuck in a Tony Romo system. And it, the, it's the coach's ability to adjust the game plan to your quarterback. Well, I don't understand how you went through an entire season, an offseason, and still made him play in a Romo-friendly offseason. When you knew he was going to retire, be released. Well, it also comes down to the owner who has the power to make such coaching decisions. When you happen to be the owner, GM, president of operations, and yet he's going to continue to keep his puppet, Jason Garrett, there. 
a guy who just claps during the game. We don't see him ever do anything. He does claps. Yeah, he's the clapper. Clap on, clap off. Turn the lights off at the end of the night. Seaball, I'm very excited to watch um, Marcus Davenport this Saturday as well. Yeah, they said um, he's very raw, but they said teams love the kid. Uh, they said John Dorsey actually didn't have an interview scheduled with him and still pulled him aside for 40 minutes just to talk to him and get to know him. So teams like his upside. John Dorsey from Cleveland. I wouldn't be surprised if he's sneaking in the top 10 pretty soon, especially after the combine. And this is John Dorsey from yeah, Cleveland, John Dorsey, correct? The, G- the new GM for Cleveland. Right. RJ, did you see that um, the Titans met with a QB today? Coach, right? No, no, they met with, they pulled aside a QB at the uh, Senior Bowl today. I think it was uh, I think it was Josh Allen. They just pulled him aside, just to, like kind of give him a little interview. Yeah, they're not picking Josh Allen. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Put, I don't think I they are. Much stuff I don't think they are either. Definitely worth noting. Did you, I know this is completely off topic, but as of right now, the All Star teams just got announced. Right now, you know what? Let's save that for our next episode. All right, sounds good. We'll save that. Um, so guys, uh, any uh. Wild predictions for after the Senior Bowl. If I were to have to say something, would uh, let's let me start that over. Do you think that Josh Allen's draft stock after the Senior Bowl is going to be up or down? Down. What about you, RJ? Down. I think that he's going to make like two or three plays out there that are just so like outstanding that he's just. He'll, it's going to be a, definitely a mixture of it on Twitter, but in the end, you'll probably be seeing a little more positive. The thing with him is you're always going to get the plays that make you say, wow, but it's consistency. And I don't know if if you're in the top 10, you're thinking, I'm going to get a guy who can't even throw the ball accurately on a drag route. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. RJ, what about you? I'm sorry. What? Anything anything to note? Uh, we covered basically all of it that I had noted down. Yeah, yeah I think we're getting close to uh, draft expert status. Yeah. Well, well I, I, saw, I saw a bunch of people that they were impressed by Penn State players, specifically the corner, Christian Campbell, who looks good. He's long and athletic. And then Deshaun Hamlin. A lot of people are saying are the best is the best route route runner of all the receivers. Oh, there. he looks he looks quick. He's gonna he's gonna be. I think he'll end up sneaking in the second round. He looked like a quick player, good slot player. They're saying he can make a jump like Zay Jones last year with the Bills. Yeah, he he looked he was separating on every route. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, one last thing here. So in our last episode, we looked at. The, the games in the NBA night of January 24th, there were nine games. The the uh, original prediction was that RJ was going to lose and be wrong. That's what we normally think. But in the end, RJ went. RJ and Sibo both tied at six three, and I am sitting at four and five. So who's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> About that. Who has the least sports knowledge? Hmm. I'd, I'd say the one that does the most talking. 
Probably the one that has less wins than <laughs> losses than wins. Right, well, we'll try to. Don't worry. This is only this is only one day. We'll we'll keep a uh, an ongoing record of how we go. We'll do our next picks sometime next week. All right, everyone. So this was the fourth episode of Car Sports Talk. One more quick announcement: We are now on Twitter, so you can find us on Twitter at. Car Sports, that is Car With two Sports. S's. Two S's. The way to spell it is capital C-A-R-S, then lowercase P-O-R-T, and then after the T, it's two S's. Again. Yes, for the sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, again, that is Car Sports, capital C-A-R-S, lowercase P-O-R-T-S. We'll be back again on Sunday night, everyone. See you then.